One of the questions I've been asked recently is, how's it been these last, as you started being, as a new guy in these past, how's these months have been? And I kind of thought back, like, wait, has it been that long? So it actually hasn't even been months yet. I I realized, so I actually went back to a calendar, looking back, like, today marks the end of of my sixth week. So I'm still in the weeks. I'm not even in the months yet. And like, so maybe maybe it hasn't felt a little longer than it has. But in answering that question, maybe perhaps collectively, how has it been lately? The word just that comes to my mind is that it's been been enjoyable. And I've had a lot of joy. I've had a lot of joy in hanging out with the young adult core, to the, the, the youth core, and just hanging out with young adults, just spending time with folks, going to be part of the outreach events as well. And it's just been fun. Last week, one of my highlights, I just remember, when we went out to the outreach, and I ended up in this group where we were going out to passing out the flyers, where I was with, I ended up in my group where there was a lot of the Chinese congregation members that were part of it. And I, I we were going out, we are getting ready, and they were asking, hey, can we be part of your group? I'm like, are you sure? I'm probably the most scared and the most anxious one to want to be going out. And maybe they didn't know that. <laughs> they probably won't find out. It ended up being just me, one of our youth, and mostly from the Chinese congregation. And we're just going out together. I'm nervous, and they're going to be ready to pass out the flyers. And they're just beating me to the doors. Even with, their, like, with the language barrier, and they just didn't care. And just going, and I'm like, okay, we kind of go. I even saw one of the other Chinese members, and he started to, he saw somebody was working on their car. And just asking, hey, what kind of engine, is that a V6 or V8? And starting to practicing using relevant questions. I'm like, oh, and I just had, that was so much fun to be able to just be able to watch and to be able to see that. We move on to the next part, and we're trying to get to the next lot of houses to pass out flyers, and seeing another group from the Chinese congregation just kind of leapfrogging us, like, oh, we already got this section, why don't you guys go to the next? And when I was able to be able to watch that, it, it just really helped ease my nerves, like, wow, it went from something that I was kind of scared to do to something that was actually kind of fun. And it's a lot more enjoyable. And a lot of times in, in church, I, I realize we can go week to week and it becomes very mundane. I don't know if you ever had that. Hopefully you're not, not. Where you can go from week to, okay, another routine. I go to the service. And then the next week you maybe go Bob's It just keeps the same routine over and over. We just get caught. It kind of, I hate to use this word, but maybe a little bit stale. But then how do we keep having fun? And I, I, I kind of want to keep it that way. I know it's only been six weeks for me, but what if we can just keep having fun? And what is it that we can do to keep just enjoying what we are doing here as a church, as, as a ministry? Because if we don't know why things are going well when they are, we won't know how to fix it when it is broken. So I started to reflect, what is it that we have been doing just to be able to have this kind of fun. And I kind of realized that when we have outreach and when we have missions as the forefront, as the priority in our, what we do, it gets kind of fun. We enjoy it. That's where we bring the joy back into the ministry. It's when we are able to put, when we are able to cross ministries and, or cross cultures and cross generations together in Christ. And we keep that as the forefront. And what we are going to continue to do is going to be a lot more enjoyable for us to be here and continuing on as a church. Because the more that we focus onto the future, and the more we will be able to see the purpose in our present. And what do I mean by that? Because we have this privilege to be able to bring the good news that Christ died for us to people who had never heard it before. 
to be able to introduce them to this message of hope that we hold to, that we believe in. And one of the things we've been going through a lot of times in the youth, and one of the questions we ask about the gospel questions is what does this gospel compel us to do? Is to tell everybody who are about this gospel who are near to us and those who are also far from us. And when we do that, we keep that as the forefront. Man, this keeps just so much more joy in what we get to do and build a, who we get to worship. Because we're already being able to tell people the good news that, that they can be saved from their sins. And that's just part of it. And what we're going to go through today, how it relates to these passages, there's actually more. Something that we haven't talked about, something that we haven't really been focusing on, including myself. And it, I have the privilege to be able to continue into our series in 1 Corinthians about being clear. Things that we have maybe had misconceptions about before, or maybe been uninformed about. And to be clear about the resurrection body. When we talk about the resurrection body, it's not something that I think about a lot because it's something that happens after we die. Every time I think about the word death, it's just kind of grim. So I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about what happens after we die. I mean, for me, I know if we receive Christ as our Savior, our soul, because of the blood of Christ, we're cleansed and we go up to God in heaven at the moment that we die, we're in forever in his presence. I just kind of stop right there. But there's a lot more that happens at that point that when we die, because there's this essential belief about a resurrection body that is not talked about enough, because I just want to focus on how does the gospel affect me now? How does the gospel affect me today in the, in the changes of my life? And I don't really think about what happens to me in the future. Well, because it happens later. It's more abstract. It's more, it's, it occurs later in times of my life. But it helps us to understand how to live our lives the more we think about the future. Now, this passage, it's going to be, actually, I had to go back to a lot of my uh, theology notes back in seminary, and I'm going to kind of, maybe it might sound like my theology professor a little bit, but then I'm going to bring it back and try to see, uh, if you understand better about this resurrection body, how it relates to us in our following week, and how it can apply to our lives. So I will kind of bring it back towards the end to see how that comes back together. It may sound a little bit more theological for, for a bit. But if we ever have been, if we feel like we've been uninformed about this essential belief, we're actually in good company. Because a lot of people throughout history have also been uninformed, and they had to, had to learn for the first time as well. Even for, uh, not just the Corinthians, but even for the Romans, who had, did, did not understand what was happening after we die. In the, Romans chapter 8, it starts here, where Apostle Paul also had to inform them about what happens to us after we die. In Romans 8, 29 to 30, it tells us that, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So now what does this mean then? What does it mean to be conformed into the image of God? Now, I brought a picture with me that I was trying to explain how this kind of looks like. Now, my, my kids didn't draw this. This is actually me. Now, I'm trying to explain. So 
this is my way to try to explain this section of the passage. So it's it just to imagine our spiritual growth for, for a moment it, with, with this picture from birth all the way to death. So we are born at a certain time. We're all born here. But as we go through life following this squiggly line and we get to the cross is what I like to say. That's when we understood the seed of the gospel has been implanted into our lives. And as the seed of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in, in our lives, it slowly works through us in terms we can grow spiritually. But there are times when we just lose focus or when things are just, we're just mis mistreated and we just kind of digress in our spiritual lives. We go down. But as the Holy Spirit continues to work through us, as we're generating this new life into us, we go back up. But then we have some down parts again because we are sinners. Naturally who we are, and so maybe you're like me, or there's maybe some points in our life where we have just felt like we have digressed so much in our spiritual lives, we are far lower than where we were when we first encountered the gospel. But if the Holy Spirit is in you, as it is, we continue to grow up, down, up, and down, all the way up. And we progressively are sanctified, progressively made more and more into the image of God, into the very end where we are what they call it, the glorification at death. So today's passage is right on that top where at the end, what happens to us when we are being glorified in this glorified state to be conformed into the image of God. But what does that look like? And there are two things that mainly happens at the time of, of glorification. First is that our souls, as they leave the body, are going to be joining up to, to God in heaven. Our souls are no longer in the bodies. I've been to funerals when we are supposed to grieving of our loved ones. We see the body is still there in the casket. It's still down here. There is no more soul in there. But the soul, again, that's the first thing, is, that it is with God in heaven. The second thing that happens at glorification is as our souls are into heaven, we are given a new body. Because our current body is still here. A different body. And this is where we may not have be, be, may have been uninformed. Because I have only used to think, wait, only our soul goes to heaven and we are with God and we are pure and without sin. No. Now, yes, that is part of it. But the other half is that we are all given this new body that we can look forward to. This is what happens, and this Paul also had to explain to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Let me get over there. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So the bodies that we have would just be like the one that Christ has after he resurrected, probably without the scars. And this is where the Corinthians had to be corrected and maybe what we did not know as well. Because for the Corinthian believers, they were at this mindset that they believed like we are already in the glorified state. Because for them, and we remember thinking back to a few chapters back, because they were experiencing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, all the gifts that were happening into their lives. They thought, whoa, I think we're already in. We are already in this, in this part of just being part of where God wants us to be. We are in this like immortal state already. And this is where Paul's like, no, not yet. You are not there. Because in the context of what uh, the Corinthians were, were at, Corinth is located in modern-day Greece. 
Greece is known for a lot of Greek mythology. And one of the things that they learned growing up is in their mythologies, as you are becoming human, perhaps one day we could become immortal, become like the gods. If we could become more of a spiritual state, having the spiritual manifestations, having what the gods have, we could also one day become immortal. And so they thought for themselves for a moment, wait, we are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we have become like gods already. Not yet. And that's where Paul is telling them. That's why they didn't think, well, then why do we need to be resurrected? Why does there even need to be a resurrection? Well, because you need this new body. Okay, then, so if we do need to be resurrected, what is it even looking? So this is where it starts in today's passage. So what happens there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, okay, so if there is a resurrection, Paul, this is how they were asking him. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? Okay, Paul, if we are supposed to be raised, then what's it going to look like? I mean, is, is God going to take our bodies from the ground and just bring it up to heaven too? And just we got kind of reunited with our bodies? I mean, but Paul, what, what if we are cremated? And I mean, is God going to molecularly kind of put us back together up there in heaven with this new body? And just we kind of didn't really understand. Like, how does this new body even occur or even happen? And so the Apostle Paul like, you guys don't get it. So he, said, he continues on in verse 36 to 38. He says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. And this word fools here in the context is to be living a life without regard to God. Because the way they were thinking about how this whole resurrection, how the, this whole mortality, they didn't have God in the equation to be part of the solution of how it can all come together. They just forgot about God in that context. And Paul wants them to look, 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 look around your life. And they're like farmers, sowing and weeping reaping. <laughs> the seeds go into the ground, they die in order for things to grow. If we were to plant apple seeds into the ground and it's supposed to grow into a tree, I don't want more apple seeds. I want an apple. <laughs> if we, and if that were, if we, a tree only bears only just the seeds, that would be a horticultural failure. But in the same way, no, if we plant an apple seed, eventually it brings apples, it brings this fruit. And the same way, our bodies or what goes into the ground, metaphorically, and then it dies in order for this new body to be able to come, this new fruition to be able to happen. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to them, comparing, look at a seed, gives you a grain. Our current earthly body, compared to the new body like Christ, that this new body that we're going to get into heaven, that's going to be different. And he's going to go through three things to know about this new body that is very different than ours. In the next set of verses, verses 39 to 41. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. 
But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. The first thing about this body is that it's not human. It is this heavenly body. It is different. It is immortal. It cannot die. Because we won't be bound by time anymore. It's all time I think about the word immortal to be able to attain that. It's also something I've only seen in video games or movies. But this is something you and I get to actually look forward to. That this new body is immortal. It kind of sounds like hard to grasp for me. And the second thing about this body is that it is, in the next set of verses, is imperishable. Verse 42 to 43. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Because right now, our bodies, these earthly bodies, they're perishable. We can get hurt. We can bleed. We can bruise. Our, our minds are not as weak. I mean, we may even have, like, could get depression, anxiety. We are not there. As I'm getting older, it does not, my body does not work the same like it used to be. It is digressing. But this new body is raised in power. It is not weak like it is now. It is not temporary like it is now. It cannot, it is immune to disease. We cannot get sick. We cannot get cancer. We cannot get COVID. There's no more need for mask or vaccines. Is imperishable. And that is the body that we get to look forward to. But not only that, verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Because if there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And this word spiritual here, it's just, it means more than just being non-physical but to be a consistent character and activity of the Holy Spirit, to be fully just exuberating what the Holy Spirit intended us, our bodies, to be like. And just imagine again to that scene, illustration, that when we receive the gospel message into our, in our lives, the seed of the gospel is planted inside of us. And it takes for us, not until we die, until that the, the the Holy Spirit can finally come to full fruition into becoming who we are created to be, mainly the body that Adam had when God created humanity, the one without sin, that one that was imperishable, that is spiritual, in line and consistent with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're always reminded that we are not done yet. Also in Philippians 1.6, we are reminded about how we are not done yet, is that when he tells us, and I am sure of this, because that he who began this good work in you, which is the seed of the gospel that was implanted into us, will bring it to, what, completion at when? At the day of Jesus Christ. He's continually working. The Holy Spirit is working inside of our lives until we become who we were intended to be. Because when Christ died and it was resurrected from the grave, it wasn't just for him to just die and to be resurrected, for him to defeat death. But it's also for you and I to be able to do that. 
Because when he died and resurrected, it's an example for that. When you and I die, we resurrect and, and, from, from the dead to this new body. We defeat death as well. We join into that victory. The victory that we needed because of our sinful nature that we got from verse 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Through Adam is where we have our sinful nature. Through Adam is where we, because of him, that is why we die. But it's through Christ, the last Adam, that we're given life, that we're given new life, that we are able to be able to get this new breath, this new life for us, a new nature. Then in verse 46 and 49, the last section of this passage. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Really, the last time I looked at this passage was in seminary. It's very on the theological side. When God created Adam, he gave him the first breath. I mean, the first thing that Adam saw, I mean, just trying to imagine for a moment, that, you know, like, for a moment, I mean, he was just not in existence. And the first thing that he does when God breathes that life into him, the first thing he sees is just God in front of him. And I'm just wondering, what would that even look like? In the same way for us, after we, we, we pass on from this life, this new breath is going to be breathed into us. The first thing that you and I are going to see when we're before God in heaven is to see him face to face, as Adam saw. Because dust, being created from dust was the first step. Man was created. The next step was the cross of Christ, in which we are continuing to see in our spiritual journeys, which is until the last step of our spiritual journey is to be glorified into the next, from this age to the next age, to be in God, the presence of God again. And for the Corinthians, they had thought that they were in the spiritual state. And, and to give some, maybe some kind of credit, they were experiencing the Holy Spirit so much that they just really thought, is this it? Are we in the presence of God? We just really feel like this could be it. But they were not. They had to look forward to it. There's something more for, you, for them to look forward to. This new body, something even better than what you are experiencing, better than experiencing the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that they have in their, in, the, in their midst already. A new body for them to look for. Now, that was the theological side. What does it mean for us in this week? As I get into more pastoral side. What does it matter to know that the resurrection body is to come? What does it mean for those of us who are trying to raise our kids that don't want to listen to us? Or those of us who are getting older, we're helping taking care of our aging parents. Or if you are going to be, okay, what does this matter if I'm going to go back to my job this week where my boss is just hard to get, <laughs> get along with? What does it matter if I have these tensions between these relationships that I have with others in, in my life? What does it matter if I'm just going through with this anxiety this week in my mind or the depression that I have? What does this mean? 
for us in our lives. And I, now, not all of us are going through something this week. And I, I don't want to impose like, like we're all going through something. No, there are some times in our lives when God has just been working through and Holy Spirit has just been into our life where, you know, things perhaps are going well for you. And that's great. Keep it going. Just, just keep being blessed and just understanding. Just praise God for where you are in your life right now where things are just going well. But when things do not go well, and it's a when, not an if, and we go back to that down, we're not growing spiritually as where we need to be. This is where and when we need to remember that the resurrection body is coming one day to be with us in our lives. And I think about it this way. Think back when we were kids. We were running around and, you know, we always trip and fall. We get that bloody knee, get that bruise, and I mean, it just, we feel that pain. And then we come crying to our parents or someone who is older than us, and we're just like, oh, it hurts so much. And then they, what do they do? They help clean us up. And what are some of the words that we may have heard when we got hurt before? It's got to get better. But when they say those words, though, it's got to be better. I'm still bleeding. I didn't help. The doctor's not going to tell you, it's going to get better. No, fix me. But is there something in those words? Because from someone that knows more than I do, who's older than me, that says, it's going to get better, even though it doesn't fix anything, it kind of helps me get through it a lot of times. And, and the way I think about it this way is that, you know, when we're going through the trials of our life, when things are hard, when we are being mistreated at times, and then we read the Bible says the resurrection body is coming, what God is telling us this morning it's going to get better. And when he says it's going to get better, that doesn't take away the lawsuit. That doesn't take away the debt. That didn't take away the tension in my life. That didn't help heal my marriage. But there's something about hearing it coming from God, who is the creator, who knows me more than I know myself. It, says, you know, it brings a little bit of words of comfort there. And to remember that there is a resurrection body is to come. Because when I'm able to focus onto the future, I'm able to see my, my purpose in my present. And I'm just trying to imagine for what does this what's it gonna be like, this resurrection body? What's it gonna be like to be in his presence? And imagine again of me again. What would a perfect day in your life look like? Maybe this past year, like, maybe a perfect day is for me to be able to sit out on the beach, hearing the waters, and just be able to relax. Or maybe it's hiking through the forest, supposed to be part of God's creation. Maybe it's just to have some time with the kids. I don't know. Maybe it is just to be able to enjoy the time with friends and just to laugh and just to have fun for a whole day. As you're thinking about this perfect day, hopefully you're feeling a bit relaxed. Think, oh, yeah, that would be nice. Just to have one, maybe two in a year. What if you can have a thousand of them? Now you're getting really relaxed. <laughs> Almost three years worth. But one right after another. A perfect day over and over again. This is what I found in Psalm, in Psalm 84. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. So what we're reminded is that if we could have a thousand days, a perfect days, 
That when we are in the resurrection body, just one moment is better than a whole thousand of what we can even want. And that's what we get to look forward to in the resurrection body. Because when God says, it's gonna get better, oh, it's getting a whole lot better than a thousand days. And the apostle Paul, he knew this. And he, when he was writing about this, he knew that the, he was trying, if I could focus on the future, I will see the purpose in my present. Because later in 2 Corinthians, when he's continuing on into his letter, and he both encouraged the Corinthians, they had more things to get fixed, okay? And he was writing about it as Paul, he was experiencing pain in his life. He was experiencing what they called, what he said, a thorn in the flesh. And he was hurting. We don't know exactly what it was. And three times he pleaded with the Lord, could you take this away? And God's response to him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 was this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. If the grace of God was good enough for the Apostle Paul, I'm pretty sure it is good enough for you and I. Because it is God's power that is made perfect in, his, in our weakness. Where Paul was able to see, as I'm focusing on the future, if I'm focusing on this resurrection body, what is to come, I can see my purpose in the present which is to share the message of God to those two who are near to us and those who are far from us. One more story, or one more point, and then we're gonna have the worship team come back up. A little bit fitting that we're doing communion today, because on the night that when Jesus was betrayed, he knew what was to come. He knew about the agony that he was going to face. He knew the pain that was gonna, he was going to feel. He knew how the cross was going to be, how excruciating it was going to be for him to take every single breath as he was going to struggle. Remember what he prayed to God? God, could this cup pass from me? What was the answer? But not, or what would it, and it was the second part of his prayer, not my will, but let your will be done. Because Christ knew what was going to happen in three days. Because three days later is what he looked forward to. He was going to get this resurrection body. Same resurrection body that you and I get. And what got Christ through the pain of the crucifixion, not just because of the love that he has for you and I, was because he knew what was to come. The more he was focused on to the future, he was able to see his purpose into the present. And this, his purpose was to die for sinners like you and I. Where God made him who knew no sin so that you and I could be made right, righteous before him. And so for any of us who confess our sins before God, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins, that we were made righteous and we could live in his presence forever. So I don't know what we were going through this morning what we have facing this week, what are the tensions we have. But are we going to focus on what is to come? His grace is sufficient for us this morning. And we should be able to move on and live with joy and enjoy our lives. Let me pray for us.
God, we just thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. Your grace is more than enough. We thank you that we look forward to having this resurrection body. Immortal, imperishable, spiritual. Thank you for the promise, God, that it's going to get better. That we will continue to just focus on you as you show us the will of, in our present and a purpose in our lives now. I would pray for anybody here who has never perhaps made that commitment to you. That today would be the day they start and admit that yes, we are all sinners. And they believe that you died and rose again for us and they would confess their sins now and live a life for you and decide to follow you from here on out, that you would continue to grow in our lives, the Holy Spirit, that you would work in us as we grow and to pick us up when we fall. As we look forward to the resurrection body that you have already planned for us in our lives, God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.